uh, picking up the book of John again and, 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 and following this all the way to the end. Uh, and it just as, as we read through this, I hope you see your life and, and, and examples in your life popping up as you, as you hear the teachings of Jesus. Uh, several years ago, when I was a student minister in Orange, Texas, I was also uh, the recreation minister, so I was in charge of the Family Life Center. We had a big gym in there, and the local hospital had reserved our gym to do a health fair. So since I was in charge of, of the gym and all, I had to make sure that everything was set up right, all the tables were set up. So I left detailed instructions for the custodians to set all the tables up the next day. Since I would be off, it was my day off. And so the next day, people are gathering for the, the fair, and I'm at home working, doing something, and I remembered something I needed uh, oh, uh, at, at the office. And some of you know how it is when you have to, you leave something at work, and you got to go back into work, and you're just hoping, oh, don't, I don't want to get caught while I'm here and have to stay and work half the day doing something that somebody else could have done if I wasn't here, you know. So uh, my plan was to get in there. My office was in the Family Life Center, so I was going to sneak in and sneak out as fast as I could. It didn't work. Right as I was about ready to go, this lady came up to me and she said, do you work here? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, we need one more table set up. And I was, I've, I've tried not to let her see the look on my face like, oh, I got caught. You know, I don't want to do this. I want to get home. But anyway, so I said, yeah, I'll get it. And right as I turned to go to the closet to get the table, another lady came up to her and said, hey, have you found that other table yet? And she goes, yes, I just met the custodian and he's on his way to get the, the table for me. And Okay, that, that's funny. And it, it, Anyway, I kind of wheeled around real fast, and uh, I'm not proud of this, but I said, I am not the custodian. I'm one of the ministers on staff here, but, but I'll get your table. And immediately, man, I knew that was just so wrong. One of the custodians of that church is the, one of the godliest men I have ever known in my life. I, I love and respect few people more than him. He's with Jesus now. I immediately remembered the words someone had said at some point before, probably some collegiate conference I'd been to, where a person said, you know what kind of servant you are by how you respond when you're treated like one. It didn't matter that I, I went up and set that table up for that lady and, and all. It, what mattered was that I had, I had fallen so far short of the standard Jesus set up for us is Christ followers, that of being a servant. If you have your Bible, open it up to John 13.1. I've thought about that that morning so many times since then when I've been setting up tables or stacking chairs. John 13. This is uh, the book of John. If, you're, if you have a print Bible, if you don't have one, we'd love to give you one. You can pick one up at the Welcome Center on your way out. If you have a print Bible, John is about three-fourths of the way through the Bible where the New Testament starts. It, the New Testament begins with the life of Jesus. In the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them Gospels, where Gospel means good news. And they, they each are four different eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And uh, we're reading the one written by John, perhaps the closest disciple to Jesus. And so John is, is writing this, and as we said, this is like part two of the book. And this part two is going gonna, is gonna to include, uh, it's, it's been called the Upper Room Discourses. These are the last lessons Jesus taught, probably in the last week of his life. So John chapter 13, we're beginning right here with this second half, where Jesus is now going to spend the rest of his time, for the most part, just speaking to his closest disciples. 
John 13, 1. It was just before the Passover festival. That's the, that's the most important festival in the Jewish calendar. Uh, it would be similar to our Christmas as far as intensity and, and everyone's celebrating it. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, God the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. How beautiful. Jesus had, I believe, three, at least three things on his mind that evening as they prepared for the Passover festival. The first was his imminent death. Jesus knew that he would be dead within 24 hours. His crucifixion was the next day. Remember all the times, if you were with us last year, remember all the times when Jesus would say something and it would upset the religious leaders and they would move in to kill him because that's what they thought good followers of God would do to somebody like him. And he just kind of slipped out of their, you know, grip, their grass. He ghosted them, literally. Well, each time it was explained, he'd left. They couldn't put a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. But now he knows his hour has come. This time, when they try to kill him, he will allow them to. That's the first thing he probably had on his mind. The second thing he is his disciple. Judas will betray him. Judas is one of the 12 apostles, one of the 12 handpicked people, the closest friends of Jesus during his three-year ministry. John mentions several times in this chapter about Judas and Jesus knowing that Jesus was about to betray him. I think the third thing on his mind, it's obvious from what he talked about, was he was focusing on the remaining 11 disciples and giving them last instructions, the last things he wanted to know, kind of summarizing the last three years they'd spent together and telling them what they, just reinforcing in every way he could what they needed to know, what they needed to remember from what he taught them and what they needed to teach others. So the Gospel of John has been building to this point that we're starting at today. When Jesus burst on the scene three years earlier, John the Baptist, that's a different John than John who wrote this book, but John the Baptist, who God sent ahead of Jesus to, to say the Messiah is coming, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now, on this evening before his death, Jesus is about to fulfill John the Baptist's prophecy. Everything from this evening forward is leading to the moment when Jesus will lay down his life Literally, he will lay down on a cross, and they will drive nails through his hands and his feet, and then lift that cross up and drop it in a hole, and he'll hang there until he dies. Jesus will lay down his life and die for the sins of the world. This is what is on Jesus' mind. Look at verse 2, chapter 13, verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father, God, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is mind-blowing to his disciples. In spite of all that they have seen Jesus do over the previous three years, all the talks about servanthood, this still did not match what they expected out of Jesus. You see, less than a week earlier, if you remember from where we built up to this point, less than a week earlier in Jesus' life, thousands of people in adoring crowds welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem as a king ready to be crowned. They really thought this is the 
Messiah got to send us, and then in their mind, their Messiah was going to be a political king and leader. Kings don't wash the feet of fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. Kings rule kingdoms. They command armies. Slaves, servants, wash the feet of kings. But now King Jesus is about to wash the feet of his 12 disciples. Now, some of you know this, understand what, what foot washing is about, but just for your information, in case you're not up to speed on all the first century Middle Eastern customs, uh, let me explain what foot washing is and why that was an important part of their lives. You see, most of the time in that day, people sat on the, on the ground to eat, usually on a, on a mat, a woven mat. Matter of fact, there are, there are places in the world still today where people still sit down. And when we go to Cambodia, a lot of times, if we're in a village, we're sitting down on the ground to eat a meal. Now, you know this. Feet and food don't mix well. Okay? They just they don't have the same smell, aroma. And so because people's feet in this kind of situation, sitting on the floor, were so close to the food, usually if you were going to someone's home, somewhere to eat a meal with them, a servant or a slave would wash your feet before you came in, and you understand, of course, the reason why. But they're about to have a meal. No one's washed anyone's feet. Servants wash feet. So Jesus is giving his 12 disciples, his apostles, an object lesson. Here's the lesson. How do you follow Jesus? You serve others. That's what we're called to do. We, we do lots of things as Christ followers, but the most important thing we do is we serve others, and we serve each other. And that's how people know we're followers of Jesus, not by the things that we say, not by how good and moral of lives we live. That's important, but that's not the most important part. Get this service down and loving others, and, and a lot of the other stuff will take care of itself. Serve others. That's how you follow Jesus. But this just didn't make sense to his disciples. I mean, they, they heard the lessons on serving and all, but... But washing feet, the, the, the lowest form of servant, it just didn't make sense. So Peter, the most outspoken of Jesus' disciples, Peter asked the question that was on probably all the rest of their minds. He said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. What Peter didn't realize here, he would realize it later, was that Jesus was redefining leadership. He was redefining power. He was redefining greatness in what you do with that leadership, that greatness, that power that you have. Peter did not understand then, but years later, years later, as the kingdom of God was growing, as people were coming to faith by the thousands throughout the whole Mediterranean seaboard, I think Peter began to understand why. There were two reasons why people were coming to faith, by the, literally by the thousands. One is eyewitness accounts of several hundred people who had seen Jesus rise from the grave and had seen him alive after he had been crucified. But even then, and even during that time, and especially after all the people that saw Jesus rise from the dead, after they had passed on, what was still bringing people to, the, by, to faith in Jesus by the thousands was the reputation Christians had for serving others and for taking care of each other. That's what the church was known by. Not, not what they'd done, not their, not their moral values, although they, they you know, tried to live good, holy, godly lives. But what they were known for throughout the Roman Empire was for the way they served each other and served others. And so now on this night, the God of the universe, Jesus himself, who created 
the heavens and the earth, stooped down to wash his disciples' feet. And in doing so, he demonstrated a powerful, powerful truth. No one is above serving others. Let me translate that for you. You are not above serving other people, and neither am I. That's, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you're also a servant. No one's above serving others. Jesus doesn't call us to a life of leisure and enjoy all the benefits of the child of a king, like some would preach. He calls us to a life of service, of labor. And much of that labor is spent in serving, not in teaching or preaching. That's important. But what I'm doing up here is not as important as what you do as you just serve one another and others. That's the powerful, that's the powerful witness that draws people to Jesus Christ is our service. As Christ followers embrace this idea of serving that the, the 12 disciples learned that night, after Jesus' resurrection, the church grew like wildfire. But on this evening, when Peter's saying, you're not going to wash my feet too, are you? Jesus had to explain what he meant. They hadn't put all the pieces together, and that's okay. And, and you as following Jesus Christ, you may not have put all the pieces together yet. Just hang in there. You, everything will, will continue to make more and more sense as you follow Jesus. So Jesus had to explain what he was doing. Peter, Peter's the one that said, you're not going to wash all my feet. Jesus said, yes. And he goes, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Go ahead and give me the full body. Wash. Jesus was actually... Again, as he did so many times, he was saying one thing that actually meant something else. And he said, you know, what he was actually referring to was washing Peter's sins away with his death on a cross the next day. You see, God's, God's, in God's economy, the way sin is washed away is by the shedding of blood. And these disciples knew that in the temple they sacrificed animals, and that shed blood would cover their sins symbolically. But now Jesus is going to be the final once for all sacrifice, and his shed blood will cover the sins of the world. That's what John the Baptist meant when he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what Jesus meant when he said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. But Peter couldn't understand that. and Understandably, he couldn't understand that until Jesus died and came back to life. And then they began to, to put all these things that Jesus taught them together. And then more and more they understood. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And of course, Jesus is referring to one of the 12, Judas, who was about to betray him. He was about to turn him into the Romans who would come and arrest him and carry him away and crucify him. But don't miss this. Before Judas left, Jesus washed his feet too. And he taught yet another powerful truth. No one is above serving others, but also no one is below being served. No one is below being served. We don't get to choose who we serve. And we don't, listen, this is important. We don't get to judge whom others serve. We don't, we don't put down other Christ followers for who they serve and the people they hang with and things that they do. Listen, we go where the Holy Spirit leads us. And we serve in his power not our own. That's why jails and prisons have chaplains. That's why so many churches of all different denominations serve immigrants down in the valley. 
whether you want to call them undocumented or illegal, it doesn't matter, whatever you choose. But they just know in their communities, there are so many thousands of people who are hungry, need clothing, they're sick, and churches down there take care of them, they serve them because they're human beings. Jesus washed the feet of a friend who was going to betray him, a friend he knew would betray him. Given the circumstances, let me ask you a question. Given the same circumstances, you know, we were talking, what would Jesus do? Well, what did Jesus do? Well, what would you do if you were Jesus? Would you have washed Judas's feet, knowing what he was about to do? I love what one commentator to this story said. He goes, if I was Jesus, I would have probably washed Judas's feet with paint thinner and a match. <laughs> You're going to burn. Let me give you a taste of what's coming, bro. Nah. That's, that's what you or I would probably do. That's why we laugh. We think it's kind of funny, but it's because our nature is more like Judas's than Jesus. Jesus washed Judas's feet. How do you do that? How, how do you serve somebody that, that you don't feel deserves that, that service? How do you serve someone that's just difficult to, to serve? Well, here's the good news. When you truly become a Christ follower, we, we learn from the Bible that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. And the Holy Spirit, like the other 11 disciples who did follow Jesus sincerely, Jesus slowly changes your nature. Not necessarily overnight sometimes, but most of the time he slowly changes your nature and you become more and more like him. He gives you a new heart. He gives you new thoughts, new desires, new attitudes. And you'll be able to serve when he gives you those opportunities. Look at verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, Jesus, he, Jesus, put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus said, do what I do, and, and I've set the example for you. It, it's, it's interesting. There was a pastor in, in another part of the country who just made a big deal about it. I don't like this gentle Jesus. I like the warrior Jesus in the book of Revelation. That, that's who I want to focus on, warrior Jesus. Let's be warriors. Uh, Jesus didn't give us that option. His last instructions, he said, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. We're not the warrior. We're not the king. Jesus is. When he comes back, he will set things straight for now. What do we do until he comes back? We serve. Jesus goes on to say, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus is telling his disciples, I've just washed your feet. Now you need to wash each other's feet. And he goes on a little bit later. We'll, we'll see in some other messages in the coming weeks. And, you know, he tells us how, how we treat each other as Christ followers. It's so important. How we treat each other, I really believe. How we treat each other inside the church. And I don't mean inside this building on Sunday mornings. But how we treat each other, other Christ followers, and not just in this fellowship, but other churches around here. How we treat each other as Christ followers may be the most powerful way that we share the love of Jesus with people outside the church. They will know us by the way we love each other. Hopefully not by the way we fight each other, but by the way we love each other. 
These are what, these are the instructions Jesus is showing them, being servants. Well, two last thoughts. First, in washing his disciples' feet, Jesus sets the example for Christian living. He's setting the example. Jesus' command is that you should do as I have done. Listen, it's more about an attitude than about an action. He wasn't setting up an ordinance, a third ordinance of, uh, of foot washing to go along with baptism in the Lord's Supper. He wasn't, it wasn't a symbol for us to repeat over and over again so that we remember Jesus' death. It was an example of service for us to follow in ways that fit our culture. Some churches have, you know, not many, but, but some churches through, through the ages have set up foot washing like it's another ordinance like Lord's Supper and baptism. I don't believe at all that's what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to tell us how important it is to serve one another and not to think that we're above serving or that anyone is below us serving them. Why is it so important that we serve? Why is that such a big deal? You know why? Because it's so rare. It's just not our nature. Even as Christians, unless the Holy Spirit is guiding us, we're trying to follow that. It's not our nature to serve others, to put others first. It just isn't done much. I read about a dry cleaning business in a very large city in our country. And this author was talking about, he would go into this dry cleaners, and he goes, in this city, everyone just, just treated you like you were nothing. Didn't care anything about you. Didn't look you in the eye. He said, but every time I would go in this, this dry cleaners, whoever was working there was always smiling. They looked like they had just been waiting all day for me to get there. They just treated me so kind. He said, by the third visit, they knew my name. And so at one of his visits to the dry cleaners, he said, hey, listen, what, what's the deal? What's the secret? This place is so different. You, you treat me so well. What, what, what's your deal? And the guy that day behind the counter, it was everyone in this shop treated him this well. But that guy that day, he said, well, I'm a Christian, and I just think this is probably the way we're supposed to serve customers. It's different. It's rare. What if everyone, each of us comes in contact with this week, what if we treated them that way? Treated them no matter what, no matter how much they interrupted our day, whatever, like we were glad to see them. This is hard when it gets into practice. But what if we did? What if, what if we all treated whoever we come in contact with at work, at school, in the organizations you volunteer in, and we just kind of treat them with this high level of love and respect and, and positive spirit? Wow. Not just here in Southern Missouri County. If you're watching online, it's so cool when I see where everyone is from that, that, that listens, tunes in this morning. Wherever you are, what if you treat people like this, like Jesus treated his disciples, like this dry cleaning business, like the employees there who are Christ followers, treated their customers. Just imagine if this was the example of Christian living in our community every day from every Christ follower that was here. What would this do to our community? I think we'd have to add some more services here. Maybe start some more churches here in this community. Let's try. Let's do it. One last thought. Jesus not only set the example for Christian living, but he also set the example for Christian leadership. This is called servant leadership. And it's very different than most kinds of leadership. And Jesus talked about this to his disciples during the three years before. He said, don't, don't lord it over people like you see the Gentiles doing and others here. Serve people. Serve people. Leaders. Many of you are leaders in, in some sphere of influence, whether it's at work, in organizations, at school, student activities, leaders. How do you treat the people that you're leading? 
How do you treat those? Are you lifting them up around you? Are you trying to help them be their best selves? Do you try to help advance their careers, their goals, their wishes? Are you climbing on top of them to get to where you want to advance your goals and your wishes? It makes a difference. It's rare. But it changes people's hearts. It, it opens people to hearing the good news of Jesus. Are you serving? Are you expecting to be served? You know, Jesus didn't seek honor. He extended it. He didn't crave respect. He gave it. And so must we. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus, not only to die for us on the cross and to pay for our sins, but also just to show us how to live. Lord, this is a difficult concept. I've been following you most of my life, and this is still a challenge for me. I know it's a challenge for each of us. So God, help us to be servants. Help us to love the people we come in contact with right after church today and this evening. And some of us go back to work. Tomorrow, when others go back to work, Lord, when the school starts back up, Lord, wherever we go, help us to treat people as those that we want to serve. Help us to love people toward you through the way we take care of each other and the way we serve them. I ask that in Jesus' name.